listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome back to Hawks Insiders. Uh, Our second pod in about 30 hours, and fair to say a bit less chipper than we were yesterday. Uh, A... Reality check, kick up the bum, whatever you want to call it for Hawthorne at the MCG, beaten by Geelong, 19-13, to 6-9-45. In a game, remarkably, Hawthorne led by, I think it was seven points at halftime. That just shows you it was the proverbial game of two halves. We're going to race through it fairly quickly. I don't think anyone wants a particularly long one-and-a-half-hour graphic breakdown of this one, so you guys are on notice. You guys being Danny Prince, hello. Ash, I promise you I won't ramble tonight. It was actually nine points. It makes it even worse. It was nine points at halftime. But um, yeah, it, you won't get too much uh, too much stuff out of me tonight. Or you will, but not too much. And Andrew Weiss, hello. I hereby solemnly swear that I will try and keep it nice and succinct as well. Uh, whether or not we're focusing on the first half or the second, I guess we'll yeah. see how, well, how how this unfolds. It's a game of four quarters, so we have to take them all in totality. Uh, good day to the footy in a way of 65,000 people there. I reckon close to half, if not more than half, were Hawthorne supporters there. It was a replacement home game for the Hawks. Made a lot of noise. A very enjoyable first half. Come off the back of a big win by Box Hill in the curtain razor, but we'll probably get more to Box Hill on Wednesday in the spaces. So let's go through play by play. As always, thank you for your support of Hawks Insiders. $5 a month, $50 a year for great online Hawthorne content such as this. Player number one, Harry Morrison, 17 disposals, 12 kicks, five handballs, three marks, two tackles, did not score, mainly defensive half, 59% disposal efficiency, eight contested possessions, um, he had three turnovers, six uh, intercept possessions, two score involvements, um, 346 metres gained, Starting with you, Danny. Yeah, he was a bit anonymous for me. I, I don't know. I can't, I, I kind of felt like uh, Morrison got a bit of the ball in the first quarter. And um, we discussed in our WhatsApp group that Amon didn't get a touch in the first quarter. And it was because it was going either through the middle or it was going out on Morrison's far wing on TV. I was watching it on TV. And um, yeah, he was okay then. And then after that, I didn't, I didn't really notice him. And um, you know, a few, few skill execution er- errors in the last quarter sort of looked really bad coming out of defense, uh, but he wasn't on his own uh, with that. So um, he's he's probably not getting a pass for me. He's getting a four out of 10. Um, and look, based on the second half, it's really hard to rate, right? Because based on the first half, most people are getting decent scores. Based on the second half, you're barely getting giving anybody more than a two. Um, so they got to average out somewhere. So Morrison gets a four from me, but I I didn't think it was one of his better games. Well, when I gave votes, when I wrote footy for the age and I was giving votes, the, the, my rule was always you award them on how they played when the game was up for grabs. Um, unfortunately, a lot of Hawthorne players who were doing really well in the first half will get downgraded because they went missing in the third quarter, which is when the game was decided. So that's in the reality for a lot of players, I think. Number th- one of these might be the next one, John Newcomb, number three. Uh, we see 15 disposals, nine and six, four marks, three tackles, 73% offensive half. They sort of played him sort of out of the forward line again when he wasn't on ball. Ten, uh, he had th- three turnovers, one score involvement. 
You took four uncontested marks, 187 metres gained. Her two clearances, one of those was centre clearance, 14 centre bounce attendances. He's fast becoming the titch of, uh, of 2023, isn't he? Uh, our best ball winner, maybe played out of position. Look, I think the experiment last week worked really, really well. Um, and he probably played better as a forward than Wapple did last week. It just didn't seem to work out for him this week. Um, I don't think he had um, much of an impact on the contest whatsoever. Um, he got caught with it a number of times. Uh, and based on what you just said, Ash, around uh, when the ball was there, to when, when the game was up for grabs, how did he go? Um, yeah, I'd be giving Newcomb a four out of 10. Just wasn't his day today. And and I think if if we're missing potentially day next week, um, we might, and there are potentially ramifications for Warple's performance, um, we might see more Giant Newcomb in the centre against the Giants. Why is he only starting 14 centre bounce attendances when last year he was clearly our best inside midfielder? I mean... I get it. We want to give exposure to everybody, but 14 is not enough over the course, especially when we're getting killed. He should have been in there more. I'm sorry. I just had to put that on record. Yeah, you know, he should have. It's just in the third quarter, he should have. Um, let's have a look in the third quarter. Uh, I'll look for Newcomb. Hang on. Third quarter. While you're looking at that, it'll be really interesting because I saw a stat that Cam McKenzie had 16 centre bounce uh, attendances in round one. And that number has slowly declined to half time this week. He had zero. Uh, I saw someone put that out on Twitter. So uh, there's, there's a bit happening. What have you got, Ash? He had six set of bounce attendances in the third quarter, Newcomb, as things were going to, uh, as things were going around. To be fair, there was a lot of center bounces in the third quarter. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, number four, I thought this guy actually had a pretty decent game. Um, Jarman Impey. Oh, no, that's John Newcomb coming up again. Jarman Impey's number four. Come on, app. Uh, here we go. 24 disposal, 17 and seven, five marks, two tackles, 82% uh, defensive half, 79% disposal efficiency. He had 10 contested possessions, six turnovers, eight intercept possessions, uh, five uncontested marks, 481 metres gained. Uh, Danny, Jarman Impey, I thought he battled hard. Yeah, I think he was one of our better players on the day, actually. And um, I I thought he actually used it pretty well, too, when he got it. And the, the, he didn't have a lot of friends um, across the day. I, don't, I, I thought he was pretty good. So uh, I'd give him a 6 out of 10. Um, it's not often Jarman Impey would lead our disposal getters, uh, which probably says a little bit more about all of his mates rather than himself. But I thought he had a solid game. Um, yeah, 6 out of 10. And if we see that Jars every week, that'd be good. I'd be happy with that. Number five for Hawthorne is James Warpole. 18 disposals, nine, nine, one mark, six tackles, did not score, equal 50% defensive and offensive, 44% disposal efficiency. He had six turnovers. He had, um, he took one mark. He had two score involvements, six clearances, two centre for stoppage. He had 16 centre bounce attendances. Um, Weesey. James Warple. A couple of times in the second quarter when the Hawks had some play, he hits a couple of rush kicks forward. Probably had a bit more time than he thought he did. Uh, sprayed the ball a little bit. That might explain the 44% disposal efficiency. How's he going? Mm. Well, he's had a pretty decent start to the season coming off that good preseason form. So 
I feel like we will be able to give him some some slack and give him another crack next week against the Giants. I, I think there will be jungle drums beating with his name on them throughout the week, but 18 touches at 44%, six of oh, four clangers. I think you said six turnovers, Ash. Um, you know, when the knock has been his disposal, I don't think anyone has or can um, have a go at his endeavor or his heart or his intent. But, you know, when, when you're butchering it more time than you're hitting a target, then that's an absolute issue, especially if you're playing guys like John Newcomb out of the center. So um, he gets a, Two and a half out of 10 for me this week. Oh, harsh man. James Sicily, 14 disposal, 11 3, four marks, 91% defensive half, two contested possessions. Uh, he had four turnovers, two intercept possessions. He had one goal assist, two score involvements. He had 426 meters gained, three inside 56, rebound 50s. Um, he had one free kick against Stephen Torres, which is note with Sicily. Um, took a magnificent mark in the first quarter in uh, contested mark, but here Sis is on today. But I think he had the misfortune of playing on Jeremy Cameron for some of, if not all, of the game as well. Cameron was outstanding. You know, to throw a blanket over him, uh, Charlie Kernow and Marcus Bontepelli for the best players in the competition at the moment. He could be the first four to win the Brownlow. Uh, in a long time, Cameron, in the form he's at. Um, it takes a very good player to stop him. That player wasn't James Sisley today, Danny. Speaking of two and a half out of 10, uh, I think that Sicily, maybe not that low, but he definitely had his colours well and truly lowered today. I, I expected a whole lot more from him. And look, just to provide some context to that, he had 11 touches to half time, Sicily, finished with 14 had three touches and the ball spent the vast majority of its time in his half of the field in the second half. He had three touches, didn't touch it in the last quarter. Um, I think Danny, I think he had eight in the first quarter. He did have eight in the first quarter. Yeah. Um, So, you know, he was looking good and then it was six in three quarters for our captain in a time where, or three and a half of footy when your team is getting absolutely smashed. And I'm not pinning, all of this on one man, but if we're talking about on-field leadership and, you know, I think the discussion of we need our on-field leaders like Jager and Titch is just, it's rubbish. It's old. It's gross. Don't need it. But the reality is Luke Bruce and the Sam Frost and the James Sicilies and guys like that, Chad Wingards, they are our on-field leaders. They are here. They are present. They need to do something when the chips are down and we got nothing from James and he wasn't by himself but we got nothing from James. And I think, you know, we really saw the value of, I think, two players um, in Jack Gunston and Ben McAvoy in previous years, when the, when the damn wall bursts, you you get one of those guys dropping back in a hole, um, taking a mark and just slowing the tempo down. And we didn't get that from Sicily. We didn't get that from anybody. um, And we weren't able to stem the flow at all all in that third quarter. And, uh, and, you know, it's not squarely on his shoulders, but he would be very disappointed in his performance. He, 
had seven kicked on him effectively. Um, so I can't give him more. Actually, you know what? I can't give him more than a two and a half. He's going to cop a two and a half today. I'm not sure this guy will get many more than that. Ned Reeves, number seven for Hawthorne. Um, he had three touches for the day. He had, uh, let's go to the key stats for him. He had zero marks. So that's two marks in, th- maybe three marks in four games, something like that for Ned Reeves. Um, he had 70 set of bounce attendances, 53 ruck contests. He had um, 31 hit outs. So he got some hit outs, but did bugger all. Otherwise, around the ground, hard to believe this guy dominated Geelong last year. He was on track for one of the great games of all time. Uh, two turnovers and three touches. Thanks for that, uh, Danny. Um, he had a, a mare of a day, uh, the first ruckman for Hawthorne. And uh, we'll leave it to Brad to pick the team for to play the Giants, but I'm not sure he will be on the plane to Adelaide later in the week. Andrew? Yeah, so it's, I mean... You've touched on it there. Three possessions and zero marks is just completely unacceptable. So before we get onto that, I guess let's look at the hitouts. I mean, he had more hitouts than anyone else on the ground and show, so he should against Reece Stanley. Um, I, I noticed a lot in the third quarter, he probably won more of the rock, rock contest, but the amount of times that went straight to another player or to a player that got tackled straight away. And their uncontested hitouts um, was disappointing. The positive is we know he has the potential to be an incredible tap ruckman. So that's the positive. The negative is outside of that, and, and he didn't dominate doing that, he actually meant that we were a player down for the day. Um, and in the first half, the, the Meek and Reeves combination seemed to work really well. Um, you, you noticed them uh, a bit in, in the second half. They didn't at all. So um, it will be interesting to see. Max Lynch had an incredible game for Box Hill today uh, in the pregame. So he's definitely got to be in the mix. Is he a stay-at-home forward giving Meek a chop out and Reeves getting a rest or... Other way around, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but Reeves continues uh, the three-peat of two and a half out of tens. Sam Frost, number eight for Hawthorne. He had 11 disposals. Uh, six of those came in the first quarter, which sort of tells you how the rest of the day went for him. 11, he had set, it was seven and four, three marks, two tackles, uh, 92% defensive half, of course. 82% disposal efficiency, that's not bad for... Uh, Frosty, five contested possessions, four turnovers, five intercept possessions, um, 230 metres gained. A couple of darting runs out of the back line again in the first half when the Hawks were playing well. Got another player who played really well in the first half. We thought this was the Frost that we, you know, continued on from last week in Tasmania. Like just about everybody in Brown and Gold went terribly missing in the second half. Had two touches, I think, after half time. Danny. He uh, was just okay, uh, old Frosty. Um, I, I didn't think it was his worst game. Um, but And we didn't get a lot of the frost ball, you know, the live by the die by the um, sort of thing. He was, he was pretty solid with ball in hand, despite the four turnovers. And early doors, he looked, he looked pretty good on, on Hawkins. Um, but I think the ball was just coming in there so much that I don't know, I don't know how much he could have done 
more than what he did. I'm going to give him a four and a half. He's not quite getting a pass. And I'm not sure if we've had, we've maybe had one or two passes so far, but um, yeah, I, it, he wasn't, he wasn't the worst we had out there. There, were, there was much worse than, than Sam Frost today. Penquath Giaf, uh, 16 disposals. That was seven and nine, four marks. Um, he had, um, they did not score 80% defensive half, 88% disposal efficiency. He had, um, Six contested, nine uncontested possessions. He had uh, 139 metres gained. He, all his marks were uh, uncontested. Three score involvements. Uh, Andrew, CJ. Interesting because I was walking out with uh, another insider from the ground, he who shall not be named, um, and his family connection thought CJ had played very well. Uh, and personally, I didn't see it. I think there were certainly flashes of the brilliant CJ. I think he attempted a couple of really good marking contests. Um, he had four turnovers, four clangers, two frees against in his 16 touches. So again, as an overall output, that's not really for us to either drop some marks that he should take or fumble quite a bit and um you know we've got plenty of issues uh we've got plenty of issues across the board when things aren't going very well he for me just seems to be one consistently every week so I mean I've given him a three and a half out of ten today is that harsh Ash uh I'd maybe you know, bucking up to a four, maybe, but uh, it's very hard to get too many pass marks out of today. He also looked a bit sore as he, as he left the ground towards, uh, he, he came to the bench in the last quarter. It was, uh, he looked uh, very sore. So I, he might be a question mark for next week with the uh, the six day break. Carl Amon, 18 disposal, 14 four, three marks, two tackles, a goal, um, 75%. In defensive half, 67% disposal efficiency, two contested possessions, um, 359 metres gained. Um, all of those stats were after quarter time because he did not get a stat. <laughs> Bizarre, Hawthorne played his best foot in the first quarter. He did not touch the ball. The ball just did, was rarely on his side of the ground. He was on the members' wing, the MCC members' wing, and uh, the ball ain't there very often. Uh, Carlos, aim on for you, Danny. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give him a five um, out of the out of the gate. He um, he's not going to win any awards for this game, but uh, he definitely wasn't our worst. And um, you know, he had he had ten touches after halftime, which I would hazard a guess to say that was one of our sort of uh, leading disposal getters post the halftime break. Um, so I appreciate the fact that he at least kept going and kept finding the footy. Um, I don't know if he, he he's definitely not been as good as he was at Port Adelaide in the last two years. Uh, I watched a bit of Port in the last couple of years and I was really excited to get Amon. And I don't think we've seen that Amon yet, but then again, I don't think we've seen the Chad Wingard that was at Port Adelaide since he came over either. So um, I, I, I'm kind of hoping for a step up, maybe a couple of levels from what we've been getting from Carl. Um, but we need his, ability to hit a target by foot and we need his run and carry because um, yeah, we, we still have a few too many players, I think in our squad that don't know how to kick the football to hit a target. And that was pretty evident today. 
Andrew. Connor Nash wears number 11 for Hawthorne. He had 10 t- touches, three and seven. He had six tackles, uh, 73% defensive half. A lot of defensive half. And look at those stats because the ball, that's where the ball was in the second half almost exclusively. Uh, two score involvements. He had 112 metres gained. He had one clearance. He had uh, 17 centre bounce attendances as well, which I think makes him the leader at this stage. He did something that caused the, out, the Geelong supporters to be outraged, I think, in the last quarter of the tackle that he might have turned somebody upside down and they'd landed into the ground. So he was uh, not a favourite of the Geelong fans for a period as well. Um, up and about, but they still found reason to be outraged at Connor Nash. Uh, what do you see? But so I don't mind that. I don't mind him being a bit of a villain and, you know, taking uh, a role as that that guy who's happy to rough everyone up, especially with all the kids around him. But, I mean, Prinzi just mentioned it in terms of speaking about trying to find someone who can't kick to a target. I mean, he's had 10 touches for the game. He's given three free kicks away. So, so he's in the positive for seven disposals. Uh, Weirdly, I still feel like there's more there. Like I'm, I still feel like if we can somehow get uh, those last few games worth of quality we had at the end of the other season, like there's still, there's still that role, but. Or even last week, we see. Yeah. His best game for Hawthorne. Last week, he was fantastic. I, I think, though, one other thing to note is there was that big contest where uh, it was him, wasn't it, that it looked like um, there were a couple of concussions. He came back, obviously, oh, with yeah. the head bandage. Well, Jed Buse, um, he, he, he destroyed Jed Buse. Finished his day. Destroyed he got Jed smashed. Brute. He was on the he was on the worst end. Look, I watch a lot of replays of that. Connor Nash, the fact that he played the rest of the game out is a phenomenal effort. He was on the wrong end of that head clash. Buse took his eyes off the footy. Nash did not. And he got absolutely smashed. So for him to continue playing was nothing short of a miracle. He passed a con- He had a concussion test, didn't he? He, had, he, he had did. Absolutely. Too, so. yep. I yep. think he had to wait the 10 minutes though. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so, I mean, straight away, you seen the incident, you thought, well, he's done for the day. Like, cause there's a big, big hit and he actually looked pretty good before it. So that also adds to the, okay, given everything we've seen, uh, he plays next week, um, but on the balance of the whole game, he's another three and a half out of 10 for me. All right. This player was probably the, the uh, one who get the clearest passing grade of all for them today. Will Day, 22 disposals, 13 and nine, four marks, eight tackles, uh, 54% disposal efficiency, 14 contested possessions, he had five turnovers. He had six intercept possessions, uh, four marks, one of which was contested. He had one mark in tight 50, 385 metres gained, uh, two, two centre and four stoppage clearances. He had um, 23 centre bounce attendances, which I think will make him the leader for the day. Uh, we sort of did have a half a joke on the pod yesterday that uh, you probably get injured or uh, not get a kick after signing the contract extension, which has happened to only about 550 league footballers before him. But he, from the very start, I think he got the opening clearance of the game and everyone thought, here we go. Uh, he is on and he was great. And probably the arguably Hawthorne's only four quarter player, Danny. Yep, I'd go along with that. I'm really glad that I got Will Day because uh, now I can talk about um, something slightly positive. 
comparatively to the rest of the podcast. Um, Will was very, very good from minute one to the end. Uh, his disposal efficiency sort of belies, I think, the impact that he had on the game. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was clearly our best player. Um, he was good in the air. He was good on the ground. He won, um, you know, a considerable amount of clearances uh, comparatively to his uh, his colleagues. And uh, and I thought, you know, at times used the ball quite well. So um, I'm going to give him a seven and a half out of ten, and I think that that's going to be sort of far and above anybody else's score this game could probably talk me into an eight. Um, I thought he was fantastic and I'm, I'm really excited um, that he signed for four years and I'm really excited about the steps that he is taking um, for him to play as well as he did today um, just shows that that midfield um, is in good hands with Will. I think he'll be our premier midfielder in, in, in a year's time. He's uh, he's going to be something special. His great mate, Dylan Moore, 17 disposal, 6 and 11, four marks, four tackles, uh, 82% disposal efficiency, seven contested possessions, uh, three turnovers, four intercept possessions, five score involvements, 124 metres gained. Um, he did not turn a centre bounce. I've, my observation of Dylan Moore is I think he's almost trying too hard at the moment. I think he's the you know vice captain of the club, great honour for him. But I just think he is something not quite there for him. My advice to him, if should he choose to listen, would be just go back and be the Dylan Moore you were in twenty one and twenty two, and just get back into being a bit more about you and a little bit less about team because I think he's struggling just a little bit, just a bit off the pace at the moment. Is he? Is that a big call? No, it's a good call. I mean, I think he's played some good footy this year. Today wasn't one of the days that he did play good footy. And I also feel like if I get Will Day, oh, Will Day, if I get Dylan Moore and Blake Hardwick this week, then I deserve to get them next week when we beat the Giants as well. I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> um, oh, look, I don't think it helps that the number of times we just bomb the ball forward is like classic games against Geelong, Tom Stewart, or, you know, if you could replace them with Melbourne jumpers and put Max gone there. The number of times we pump the ball forward to two or three on ones, and that should help him as a crumbing forward. But our, you know, our big rucks, our, our big guys there weren't necessarily bringing the contest to ground to help. So, yeah, he was completely out of sorts today. And, um, you know, I'll stay on that bandwagon of sub four, um, sub fours and give him a three and a half. He had zero impact all day. Jack Scrimshaw, eight disposals, four and four. Um, had two marks, two tackles. He had um, 100% disposal efficiency. So good for you, Jack. Um, he had four intercept possessions. Two score involvements. Oh, my mic. Oh, my mic over the place. Um, he went uh, 81 metres gained uh, after a great first up game last week. Not so good today, Danny. No, I think that's one for Jack to just sort of put in the rear vision mirror and not not look back. Um, he he wasn't he wasn't great. Um, yeah. I mean, the stats say it all, don't they? There was no impact on the game. He touched the ball eight times in a full game of footy. He looked proppy at times as well. He didn't influence any marking contests like he normally does. Um, yeah, pretty 
pretty ordinary bit of a dog of a day for Jack. I'm going to give him a three. Um, and yeah, we just move on to the next one, which is Blake Hardwick, which is for you, Andrew. He had uh, 11 disposals, 10 and one, two marks. You're looking forward to this, I think. 86% defensive half, 82% disposal efficiency, three contested possessions. He had 335 meters gained. He had four rebound 50s, two inside 50s. Um, how'd he go? 11. Touches, uh, a few of them kick-ins, uh, or at least a couple of them kick-ins, um, four turnovers, two clangers. This is the classic wild card out of the pack. We don't need to raid a player because it's really unfair based on everything that they do all season. Um, he had an absolute mare today. Uh, and... I also put him back into that sub four category uh, and he gets a three and a half from me. It's just a forgettable game for Blake. All right. Next guy's interesting. Lloyd Meek. Uh, he had 10 disposals, two marks, four tackles, 66% offensive half. He went 50% disposal efficiency. He had uh, four turnovers, two intercept possessions, three score involvements. 198 metres gained. He had four clearances. He had 11 centre bounce attendances, 41 ruck contests. He hurt Mark Blitzaz with a uh, a very, very clumsy knee to the ribs in the first quarter. Did a blind turn or something, out, shimmy out of the back line at one stage. And everybody giving the chanting Ole sitting near me because it was very graceful. Um, but I liked his aggression early on. Like everybody else, he faded terribly in the second half. But I thought his first half was the best foot he's played for Hawthorne. So the challenge for him now is to you know, play that sort of footy for four quarters. But I'm interested in how he's going to be graded by you, Danny. Do you grade him on the potential he showed and the impact he had in the first half? No, you grade him on the full the full game. And and for me, um, he what what did we give Ned Reeves a two? Um, he gets more than Reeves. I think he was better two than and a half, two I and a half. So I'll give him a four and a half. I think the most concerning thing about Meek was the fact that he, you mentioned it before, he was in 41 ruck contests. He only won seven hit outs against Reese Stanley. Like, you know, he's going to cop a bath against a decent ruckman if he's not, if he's getting beaten comfortably by Reece Stanley, like that should not happen. Reece Stanley's an around the ground ruckman; he's not a tap ruckman. Um, so that's a bit concerning. I like you, Ash. I loved his aggression at the ball and the player with the ball, and sometimes the player without the ball. Um, I like that he started the game in a really aggressive um, way and. Um, sort of set the tone for how the Hawks tackled and chased and harassed and all of that sort of stuff, but faded like we all did. Uh, and look, he's he's 24, but he's young for a Ruckman. He's young in games. He's young in experience. So um, I think he's clearly our number one Ruck ahead of Reeves in terms of if you're going to drop one, you're probably not dropping Lloyd Meek. You're probably dropping Ned Reeves. Um, but you'd want to see more more work in the ruck, more effective work in the ruck, I should say, because seven hitouts from 41 ruck contests, not a good percentage. Chad Wingard was a sub, had eight touches after coming on in the third quarter. Um, we had a policy of 
not rating subs. He's on for a reasonable chunk of the game because they gave up on Tyler Brockman pretty much at half time. Weesey, uh, he had a couple of rush shots on goal that uh, didn't quite hit their mark. Uh, do you want to say much about uh, the Chad other than yeah. being better for the run? Yeah, a couple of um, a couple of shocking kicks by foot as well. But what I did like, he found himself uh, the AFL members wing at half forward by himself a lot, and he was running a fair bit. So I think there was one big Carl Amon pass over to him um, for the, for that mark and shot at goal. I think there was another from Jarman Impey that found him. Obviously, his uh, his good mates and the port connections there. Um, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't rehash get a get a few minutes in the middle. Um, but yeah, he's either got to play or not play. I think, and uh, you know, against the Giants next week, which I think is very winnable, I'd be I'd be playing him. There's not really too much else to say. I think they they telegraphed that by saying that they wanted to play next week and the way to make sure he plays next week was to sort of play half a game this week, which is what he did, and then he um, and he comes back into it for next week. So he'll be better for the run, Chad. Uh, 22, Luke Bruce, he kicked three goals from his 16 disposals, which was nine and seven. Uh, six marks, three tackles. Uh, maybe offensive half, we know that. Special efficiency was at 50%. 75% scoring accuracy, uh, five score involvements, six marks. One of those was contested, 194 metres game. Probably par for the course for him these days. Um, I thought, well, three goals, good return. Yeah, you know, we said we'll get those games this year. You know, we'll get, you know, it'll be a spring of games where he kicks three goals or more. Much more reliable in front of goals uh, today than he has been so far this year. My worry about Luke Bruce, Danny, before as I, as I give the ball to you is that I don't think he's that great below his knees anymore. The ground ball's worrying him. Yeah. I'll I'll agree with you, but I'll also say I felt like the ground ball worried most of our players today. It was like picking up a bar of soap. Um and yeah, it looked like um yeah, it looked really it looked really tricky for him. Um so he wasn't on his own. Look, he kicked half he kicked half the goals we kicked today. So uh he's got to get a pass. I'm gonna give him a seven. Um and I'm going to do that because it's probably it's probably slightly overrating his performance. Um, but if we're getting 16 touches and three goals won from Luke Bruce every week, I think I think we're in a good spot. Um, that's that's a that's a that's a very good day for anybody, let alone a however old he is, 31, 32 year old, um, slightly on the back end of the hill, Luke Luke Bruce. So um, he's going to get a positive mark from me and. That might be the only one that gets given out for the rest of the day from me, but um, I, I thought he was good. Um, and and let, let's just let's just make a, a really blunt point: like, where would we be in terms of goal kicking without him this year? He leads our Coleman, um, and we would we would be really struggling without him. So, um, yeah, I'm thankful for Luke Bruce. I've always been thankful for Luke Bruce, but today as well. I think the Hawthorne Goal Kicking Award this year should be called the Pat Cash Senior Award because I think he won it one year at Hawthorne in the 50s with 19 goals. So that's what well, I'm Luke, going to call Luke's, Luke's on track. So <laughs> yeah. congratulations, Bruce. <laughs> that's what I'm calling the rest of the year, the Pat Cash Senior Award. I'll I like it. I like I'll have it. For the spaces, I'll have the exact figure for the spaces. I'm sure someone probably already knows that off the top of their head. Um, Josh Ward, 
for Hawthorne, 23 disposals, 17-6, are behind four marks, six tackles. Look at his heat map. He got a lot of the ball in the back pocket. It's quite remarkable. The big red dot there, if you look at the AFL uh, app heat map, 72% Hang out of the square up. for a little bit, Ash. Yeah. Um, he had 20, he had six, five contested, 20 uncontested possessions, six turnovers, one intercept possession, um, 295 metres gained, um, 11 centre bounce attendances. My concern with Josh Ward, I did not see the Sydney game. I would assume this happened at least once, but I did see the Essendon game, the North game, and this game. In every game so far this year, he has had the ball streaking forward and has been chased down and tackled. And I worry, is it's happened too many times to be a coincidence and you can't always put it down to you know, the lack of talk on the ground. I worry about his game or, about his game or spatial awareness in those hot moments because he, he, he three times I've seen him butcher scoring opportunities, you know, running, surging forward with the ball. And getting run down and tackled. Am I being too harsh, uh, Weesey? You're not, though he's not alone. I think we had a few rundowns. There was a big one on Jai as well. And I mean, it, it helps when you're sitting on 2A, right? And you can see the whole ground and you're saying, get rid of it, get rid of it. But not just the lack of awareness, the lack of talk is an issue. And, and the concern for Josh Ward is when he started, he was one of the guys that we said, look at how much time and space he just seems to have even when players are there and that seems to have eluded him. I think also the biggest concern would be, um, Ash, have you got his metres gained there on hand? I'm assuming it's going to be for Lots 20... of sideway kickers. 90 metres. Yeah. 90 metres gained. Mm. In 23. 90 metres yeah. in 23 touches. So that was the point. I was expecting to say, look, 250 metres gained from 23 touches is just not good enough. 90 means um, that there's an issue, whether that's look sideways first, give off the handball under pressure. Um, the positive is that he's getting into he's getting a position to get the ball 23 times and he's a kid and he's still learning his craft. So um, I'm giving him a pass. I still give him a five. I think that um, th there's a fair bit of work to do, um, but there are some signs there that, that highlight the work that needs to be done. Prinzi. Yeah. Can I make a counterpoint to that? Maybe, maybe. And I'm look, I'm, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but if you look at the, the James Sicilies and the, and, and the players that love to sort of get high meters gained, um, they were driving you mad, Andrew Weiss in our WhatsApp group by bombing the ball forward. Maybe just maybe Josh Ward is reluctant to do that because of our forward line setup, And he's looking forward, not seeing what he wants and, going short or backwards or sideways because Rejected. we have zero to kick to, kick to. because we don't have anybody to rejected. Kick to. Where did he get all of his ball ash? The back pocket in the back pocket. So, I mean, there are options, whether that is sideways or, you know, whether that is down the line, um, it's a bit different from the kick from center or the wing to half forward slash inside 50. Um, 
But again, I mean, we're just like, we're clutching at straws here, right? Like yeah, 90, there are 90, clearly yeah. some issues there. 90 meters. Any way you spin it, 90 meters gained is not, is not good. I'm just yeah. saying that there are no it, marking targets across the ground for this horse. The only, the only person that I would ever have looked at that and completely justified it is I always said with Tom Mitchell, that if there was a stat for assisted meters gained, so he's giving out all of his handballs to someone who kicks at 60 metres, then that would actually be a stat that highlights what an incredible footballer he was at his peak for us. So, but but that's not what Ward's doing with his possession. So, um, yeah, bits of work on, gets a five, he gets a pass, um, and hopefully it's just an, another round's worth of experience in the bank. Fergus Green, eight disposals, four kicks, four handballs, two marks, a tackle, kicked two goals. Um, he had 100% um, disposal efficiency, one turnover. He had uh, two contested possessions, took two marks. One of those was contested, as I said, 100, so 90 metres gained, a bit like uh, uh, our boy Josh Ward had a clearance. Um, he got a couple of looks early, but the ball didn't really get down there much after halftime. No, yeah. it didn't. And um, it's really hard to touch it when it doesn't come to where you are, isn't it? Um, and you've got to keep some kind of structure. So, you know, you don't want everybody going up the field to get the footy or to find the footy because then you've got nobody to kick to if you do win it. So with Fergus being sort of our tallest forward in inverted commas, um, he was never going to get a high possession game. I'm, I'm going to give him a pass as well. Um, I'm going to give him five. Um, not not a point for every touch he had, but I actually I watched this game in totality. I didn't actually realize we only had three different goal kickers on the day. That's disgusting. That's really bad. We had five of our goals kicked between two players. Um, that's 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 not good, and uh, that that can't continue. So um, look. I think he's added a little bit to our forward line and he just finds ways to hit the scoreboard. Uh, I'm glad that this week, other um, as opposed to, I think round one where he kicked like no goals and three behinds, he, he kicked straight today. Um, and that was good. Um, you'd want him to be getting sort of 12 to 15 touches a game, not eight touches a game. And then, then you'd be really happy. I'm pretty confident when he's got ball. I was worried after the first game, he's why would it, I'll put that down to nerves and anxiety, but I'm really confident when he has ball in hand now that he'll kick straight. Um, he's he's a beautiful kick of the footy. I yeah. think he's over that hup now, but he's got to get more looks and he's got to get more chances than he does. Okay, number 28 is Cam McKenzie, 16 disposal. That was seven and nine, two marks, four tackles, kicked it behind. It was a pretty ordinary kick for goal when he had a chance. I think it might have been even touched off the boot or something. It was about uh, a complete hash of it. He had uh, 10 contested possessions, um, two turnovers, one intercept possession. Uh, 158 metres gained. He had uh, two centre bounce attendances this week. So he was there for a couple. Um, Weezy, before I had to you, I was talking to people I was at the game with and I thought, is McKenzie the first of the young players who might need to be managed before too long? But then um, I think I said that at three-quarter time and he came out and, and played quite well at the start of last quarter and got a couple of touches early. Um, so I think he's tracking on okay. I... Wouldn't be surprised if he does get the the managed word in the next week or two. It's been a pretty bright start for him. We'd like to see him get a Rising Star nomination. It won't be this week, you wouldn't think, coming off the back for that. 
No, so 16 touches, 50% effective disposals, six clangers, um, and a different role. As you mentioned, two centre bounce clearance attendances where uh, I think I said round one, he had 16. So um, he's in my three, three and a half out of 10 range. And uh, like, it's okay for him. It's okay. What are we four games in? Um, So again, common theme, bank the experience, um, stand next to some bigger body Geelong footballers and see what it's like when it's, and the pressure's on, especially in that third quarter. And, yeah, bank the experience and move on. Conor McDonald, 12 disposals, six and six. Two marks, two tackles, kick three behinds. He's, he's finishing, left a bit to be desired today. Poor old Conor, 58% disposal efficiency. He had um, he had uh, 162 metres gained. He had uh, one centre bounce attendance. Uh, Danny. The first thing I'll say is I'd like to see the centre bounce attendances for Conor McDonald to go up. We, I think we need to find. I think it's time for us to find ways to get him involved in the coalface. Uh, he spent most of you know, all of his junior career as a midfielder, and I know I know he's got some tricks. And look, on a different day, that that could be three goals and not three behinds, and we're probably talking about this very differently. But um, I think just being able to be free of that half forward role and go and get a bit of his own footy would do him wonders. So I would say that, you know, if we can find some space in our midfield rotation, it would be great to get him on, on, on the ball a little bit, but um, yeah, look, he's, he's getting a four from me uh, and he's probably getting a four because he did impact the scoreboard just wasn't in the right way. So um, yeah, he's dangerous. He, he does some really, he does one or two really good things every week, but um, we didn't see enough of it this time around. So um, hopefully next week against the Giants, he gets off the leash a little bit more and kicks a bag because he loves a goal. As much as Dylan Moore loves a goal, Conor McDonald loves a goal. Um, Finn McGinnis, 10 disposals, seven and three, six marks, two tackles. His heat map looks very similar to Josh Wars. It was all sort of in the back pocket area of the ground. Um, 80% disposal efficiency. Um, he had, uh, what else he have? He had 140 metres gained. He had zero set of bounce attendances. Um, it's funny, you look at the way the team lines up. Now, did he play on Stengel? Was that the belief that he 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 had the role of Stengel? So I guess you could view it in that. Stengel got off the chain in the second half, a bit like a lot of the Geelong players. Um, so it wasn't a midfield tagging role. It was a sort of defensive tagging role. How do you rate his game, Weezy? Yeah, do you know what I think? If we'd gone with Brad's pre-match prediction of uh, putting him on Tom Stewart and then looked at the figures now and said, well, Stewart had 20 touches and five marks, we'd be saying Finn's a genius. He's he's done an incredible role. But, I mean, the question is, if he's not going to play a role locking down the main ball winner in the middle of the ground and – I think we say this every other week. We know Sammy's talked about trying to develop his game and play up forward and play as a key defensive lock and all that sort of stuff to add strings to the bow. If he's not going to play that shutdown role, I just I just don't see his spot in the team. Um, and oh, I don't know, Prinzi, 
you're looking a little bit uh, disturbed by the comments. I, I just think like if we're util- utilizing a player like Finn to have to try and shut down Stengel, uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like um, in terms of setting up our back six for a consistent performance, that's not necessarily an answer. And I would be looking at the Ned Longs and the um, Cooper Stevens and some of the others to go, well, if, if Ned like, I mean, I don't think he really, I think he, he moved off Stengel in the second half or the second half of the third quarter and final quarter, but I don't think he had an impact. You, you, you disagree, Princey? No, no, no. I I think it's a it's definitely a case of when Finn does a job of shutting somebody out, he does a very good job of that. Um, when we ask him to do anything more than that, he really struggles. And uh, I thought he did a great job on Stengel. I actually didn't notice, even though Stengel was playing until he kicked a goal in the third quarter. Uh, but everybody kicked goals in the third quarter. So, you know, we can't blame Finn for Stengel getting off the leash for one in the third quarter. And then, like you said, he didn't play on him in the last quarter. Um, but I don't think I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I think unless he's going to play on, on that sort of number one midfielder in, in the, in the opposition's midfield unit, I don't see a spot for him because he, he at the moment, he's not winning his own ball, um, you know, and, and, and if we're not going to, either play him on their best midfielder or play him on somebody like a Tom Stewart to limit their impact, then he needs to be winning his own ball and he can't do that. We had, I think it was 11 players with 12 possessions or less. So, I mean, you're not winning games of football with that in the stats sheet generally. And obviously we know what's happened today, but it just means that uh, what's, yeah, I don't know what's, if he's not playing that role in the middle, what's he doing in the team? What do you think, Ash? Yeah, um, yeah. If you uh, if there's not a midfield negating role for him on a midfielder, I'm not sure he value adds the value to the team. Um, and you know, do they go for? I mean, but Cooper Stevens wasn't brilliant today. For more reports, he was okay. Um, Danny will be watching that game intensely before the spaces and. What have you? Um, hopefully for Wednesday, I'll have a decent report on that. Um, maybe it's time to have a look at Ned Long to bring another big body midfielder in there, but just not just talking about Finn's position. But yeah, he's, he's much better when they give a midfield negating role or, you know, the Ed Langdon role he did from last year. But they're going to play Morrison and um, Eamon on the wings and they're going to have, he's not going to be part of the midfield rotation. I'm not quite sure he's got the, uh, he's got the all-round game to play elsewhere in the team, but uh, smarter people than us will work it out. We'll finish with Tyler Brockman. Um, by the coach's admission, had a mare of a day. Just his head wasn't in the game. Missed that sitter on the run in the first quarter, and he sort of just knew. As soon as he missed that goal, which would have been four goals to nothing. Now, not to say they would have won the game, but four goals to nothing, fifteen minutes in the first quarter would have been a fantastic start for Hawthorne, and that's when the mind game starts to come into play. But uh, sort of felt from that moment on that was a, you just sort of felt that that. He's going to come back and bite them. Well, in the end, it's probably didn't give him the final score line, but it was uh, not his day. Um, Danny, finish off with Tyler Brockman. Yeah, it's disappointing because um, last week was such a high for Brocky, and you just want to see the young bloke succeed. He's 
he's what we need in that forward line and he offers that X factor. I reckon 98 out of 100 times he kicks that goal. Yeah. Um, and for him to miss it was just like I was shocked. I'd, I'd, if I had a footy record out, I'd, I would have marked it as a goal and then had to cross it out. That's how how sure I was when he grabbed, picked up the ball that he was going to finish that. I was almost celebrating already. So that's super disappointing. He'd be, I guarantee you, he loses sleep over that tonight. In, in he some loses way. sleep because of the twins. Maybe the theory. Yeah, well, that's true. Tyler, Tyler no, Bachman he doesn't sleep at all because of the twins. Maybe he. Uh... Maybe he his best footy will come when he plays outside Melbourne when he can stay in a hotel the night before and get a decent night's sleep. Or he might be both the Sam Mitchell um, playbook of Sam Mitchell used to sleep, stay in a hotel before every game uh, when he had uh, infant twins. So he get a decent night's sleep. Maybe that is the recipe that Tyler Brockman needs to follow. I do wonder with Brockman, you know, he's trying to take mark of the year. He's trying to he's trying to buy himself, get himself a new car for the family. As much as Sam Mitchell has a joke about he will take try and take mark of the year. I'm not sure it's in the team rules that he should be trying to take the mark of the year. And it also very quickly was obvious that uh, playing on the big Asava wasn't the right matchup for Brockman either to make some changes there. So, yeah, look, he was so good last week. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He gets a mulligan for this week. Look forward to seeing him bounce back next week. Now, before we go, a he gets stat- a one. He gets a one and a half, a one, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There's a stat that I just saw on, uh, and I'll credit Hawk headquarters for this one. Hawthorne in third quarters this year, 1-5-11 to 24-14-158. There is a problem with Hawthorne after halftime and teams are going to go to town on that very quickly. They won't recover that for the rest of the season, Hawthorne. That is now that they, they will lose third quarters for the rest of the season based on what they've done over the first four weeks. So if you know you're playing Hawthorne, you know you're close at halftime, you're in with a chance in the third quarter. That is something Sam Mitchell seriously needs to look at. That is almost, you know, there's a lot to work through after this week, but their third quarters, my God, they're diabolical. So a lot to digest. Um, we're going to put this one to bed here because I think we're sick of talking about it. Um, so we move onwards upwards. Spaces on Wednesday night. We'll expand on this whole lot more. Look for our match review article as well sometime in the next 24 hours on the Substack. Um Rad will be back off a long run. I think he didn't like bowling little leggings off two uh, paces. Weezy this week, he'll be very happy to push off the sight board, the sight screen once again with his uh, selection dissection later in the week. Um, and we're going to have a, a first guest columnist. I don't want to say who it is in case he doesn't deliver, but I've briefed him and he's very excited. So uh, someone who with in-depth knowledge of the Hawthorne Footy Club will be writing a piece for us this week who's not whose name isn't Ashley or... Andrew or Danny or Darren or Simon or Brad. So I'll say that much. So someone who actually really has a clue what's going on is going to write a few words this week. So look out for that one late. That'll drop before the GWS game on Sunday, to which I'm heading to, and I believe you are too, Andrew. So that'll be uh, fun. We're going to stand on the hill at Norwood on Sunday at the parade. Very excited. Driving up on Thursday. Uh, I'll have seen three matches before being on the hill. So, um, yep. Ethan, very much looking forward to the drive and the, the trip over for Gather Round. Should be fun. Looking forward to getting over there as well. So thank you, everyone, for your support of Hawks Insiders. Thanks for enduring this podcast. It was grim listening at times with about four players, I think, getting a pass mark. But that's probably what you get when you lose maybe two points. So thanks, everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you again during the week on Hawks Insiders. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Danny. Have a great week, everyone. And uh, we'll see you soon. 
This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall -wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.